Welcome to Insights on Responsible Business, a podcast about organizations building trust, security, and resilience to thrive in a new era of uncertainty and stakeholder capitalism. Listen to business leaders discuss their challenges and experiences in becoming more responsible businesses towards an outcome that is better for all stakeholders, better for long-term shareholder value, and better for society as a whole. In today's episode, we discuss what role digital ethics plays in our society and being a responsible business. Our lives and experiences are tethered to the digital world, how we communicate, navigate, schedule or plan, how we date, how we work, and increasingly, how we track and manage the spread of pandemics. Our host is Sir Rob Wainwright, formerly head of Europol, with experience coordinating global operations against cyber, criminal, and terrorist networks using digital means, and now a senior partner of Deloitte in the Cyber Risk and Financial Crime Department. Our special guest today is Amy van Wainsberg. Amy is an associate professor of ethics and technology at TU Delft. She's co-founder and director of the Foundation for Responsible Robotics and 2018 winner of the L'Oreal UNESCO Women in Science Fellowship. Further, she's a member of the European Commission's high-level expert group on AI. A warm welcome to you both, Robin Amy. Well, thank you, Rodney. Welcome, Amy, and thank you for joining us in this edition of the podcast. Well, it's great to have such a leading thinker in this space of digital ethics. This whole question of how far a responsible business can and indeed should go in the use of our data is becoming more relevant, of course, in our digital age, thrown into sharp relief, of course, right now with this corona crisis, by these issues now debated by government society everywhere, including, of course, in the Netherlands, over the use in society of this so-called corona app to help track and trace those infected with the virus. Now, I'm going to come back to that topic in a minute, Amy, but first, well, let's unpack this this whole idea of digital ethics. I have to say it's a term that's only recently become familiar to me. We've all heard of data privacy. We've all heard of data security. Is this just another invented academic term uh, that, that now is introduced as just to confuse us? What is this all about, Amy? Well, good morning, and thank you for having me uh, as a guest on, on your podcast. Um, no, it certainly isn't a term that academics have created to confuse anyone. Really, uh, digital ethics is a branch of the ethics of technology. And so what I'll do is I'll take a step back and say something about ethics in the first place so that I can lead into digital ethics. But ethics is a branch of philosophy, right? And really, it's an academic discipline that's looking at the study of the good life. It's looking at the study of what it means to say that someone is a good person or that an action is good and another action is bad. And it's a continuous study. So it's not the kind of thing, you know, today we hear a lot about um, ethics guidelines or AI ethics guidelines, ethics principles, and that's sort of the start and the end of ethics. But it's really much more. Ethics is a discipline 
discipline is much more than that. It's this continuous ongoing reflection of what's going on. You know, as a new technology is introduced into society, this changes uh, how a value is interpreted or what a value actually means. And so it's this ongoing reflection about what's going on. Um, I just brought up the word values and we use the language of values and ethics to be able to um, articulate the components of the good life, right? So if you're saying, I want to live a good life, these are the components that are necessary in order for me to say it. So something like privacy, safety, security. So the values that you mentioned are, of course, important to ethics, but they're only a, a small subsection of ethics, right? You can consider ethics to be this umbrella term, and the values come underneath this, this umbrella. So then we get into ethics of technology, right? You have ethics, which is looking at what it means to be a good person or what it means to live a good life. And then you bring technology in because, of course, it's very difficult to understand our lives, our world these days without technology. So the ethics of technology is looking at the impact of technology on these different things, on our conception of the good life or on how we can be good people or what it means to say that an action is good or bad or right or wrong. Then when you get into digital ethics, right, we're narrowing in, we're getting more and more specific. Digital ethics is really looking at the impact of digital technologies, again, on these, these different variables. So whether it's the good life or what it means to be a good person and so on and so forth. But we get into a much more nuanced conversation. So it's not just about looking at values like privacy, safety, and security, but it's broadening the scope. So it's looking at things like the asymmetry in power. Right. The usually we see right now that the people who have uh, data or who have the computing power, those are the people who get to make the decisions about the kinds of technologies that are developed or the way that they're actually released in, into society. So digital ethics is is about much more than just looking at individual values and, and how they could be impacted. But another um, interesting component is looking at consent. Right. So this is this is another value. But the way that ethicists look at it is to look at how the meaning of consent is changing, that in medical experimentations, it's so important that people agree to be a part of an experiment. But um, in the digital space, right, you know, you click on the terms and conditions. If you're trying to download a new app or you're trying to access a new site, you agree to the cookies, you agree to these terms and conditions. You have no idea really what you're agreeing to. You haven't read the, the full terms and conditions. So consent these days is almost somewhat meaningless. And so what ethicists are trying to do is to raise awareness about these kinds of things to try and do you think there's do you think there's a gap there amy because i mean listening to you 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 have so much passion for this field i have to say and apart from anything else i'm interested in, in where that came from you know in 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 your life in your in your world what drove you down this path do you think there's something really missing right now and and how does that really matter and resonate for for citizens for companies in uh, of the world today so I think where my passion largely stems from is that I, I started in natural sciences. I started in cell biology. And when I was a student back in Canada, I worked at a robotics institute called CSTAR, Canadian Surgical Technologies and Advanced Robotics. And I was a part of the technical team. So we were training surgeons how to use surgical robots. We were doing experiments to try and see you know, if mistakes were made, how fast could they come back from, from the mistake. And I learned you know, watching the engineers, I started to ask these questions about how do the surgeons feel? How do the patients feel? 
And, and the engineers were really trying to get the technology to work, right? And, and so this was beyond their scope. This, this wasn't something that they needed to think about or, or were really that concerned with. And so I've learned as I, you know, made my transition or my, my shift into ethics that some people try to say that, uh, you know, engineers are always malicious and they're not. They're not thinking about the ethics at all. And I like to say that, no, that, that, that's not the case. People are, are doing the job that they're meant to do do. And instead of condemning them or being angry, what we need to start to think about is how can we include ethics as a part of the design team? So tell me tell me right now, what, why that matters right now today? What is yeah. so different during yeah. this, this moment of the corona crisis? So I think there's, there's, two, there's two things that I would pick up on there. The first is that ethics has usually been an afterthought, right? Usually um, a, a product is made, it's put out into society, and then after a few years we realize, oh wow, there's actually some ethical concerns that we should have thought about. You know, a classic example that people refer to is the Hello Barbie, the AI-powered Barbie that was released. And after, um, you know, I think less than a week, malicious hackers were able to have direct contact with your children, right? So now people are starting to understand, especially in the artificial intelligence and machine learning space, we need ethics to be there from the very start. We need to include it as a part of the design process. So that's the first thing that I would say makes today different from a, a few few years ago or a, a decade ago, I would say. And the second thing is that uh, some ethicists of technology are really putting this idea forward that technology isn't uh, technology isn't as um, prepackaged as we might originally think. You know, when, when you can buy a technology or download an app, you assume that it's gone through a different kind of um, testing, product development, that it uh, is trustworthy. But we're starting to understand that technology needs to be looked at as an experiment, especially when it's used in society, right? And so that means that we learn about technology and the ethical implications of the technology as we interact with it. And this isn't necessarily a bad thing. I'm not saying, oh, no, you know, we, we have to be afraid of every technology because it's an experiment. No, this is actually a good thing. If we can, instead of making it an implicit experiment where nobody understands what's going on, we need to make it an explicit experiment so that we can put ethical safeguards in place. So okay, that so if, but if, if we're saying this is an experiment and to give it the very specific context about the way in which some governments are wondering about how to use technology to help fight this terrible virus right now, this, yeah. this idea of tracking and tracing. The technology is available. I know from my background fighting terrorists and criminals just how powerful technology can be. But of course, if it's an experiment and a great global social experiment right now, what are the rules of the game that we really should be thinking about to get it in the right space? Right. So that's a great question because there are so many governments right now who are either deploying these kinds of apps or who are looking at, they, they want to do it and how do they do it. So in terms of ethical safeguards, I would say there's three sort of categories that you could consider. There's technical safeguards that we put in place and uh, privacy by design is the first one that comes to mind. And the fantastic news about this is that the majority of initiatives to create these apps are really thinking about privacy by design from the, from the very beginning. So 
the idea that ethics is becoming embedded into the design process is already out there, which is really exciting. The second category we could think of is governance, right? So what kind of uh, strict rules are we going to put in place when we're using this app? So this is more implementation rather than rather than technological. And we could say things like, you know, you, you can't use this with children, for, for example, uh, because the, the risks, the long-term risks could be so impactful. And then you could also have a procedural, you could have procedural ethical constraints that are put in place. And this is more along the lines of governance, so blends the technical in there. But you could say after a certain amount of time that the uh, data collection process needs to be audited by an external third party and so on and so forth. So there's a variety of different things that governments can do right now um, to think about how the technology is going to be designed, but also how they want to launch it in society and to recognize the fact that this isn't something where we know all the answers right now, you know, to be somewhat humble about the, the implementation, to say we don't know, we are predicting that we are going to do a good thing, we have to take these risks in, into consideration, and now we're going to balance them. How can we minimize the risks as much as possible in yeah. order to ensure okay. the benefits? Yeah, so it sounds like a responsible business agenda, actually, doesn't it? About 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 driving, driving innovation, but not at a cost of a disproportionate impact on on, on on users, for example. So, it's, and it, it is a, it's a good point that you make around privacy by design because we always haven't thought that, and we always haven't thought about data security by design. Yeah. You're seeing, are you, a more positive uh, approach to that in 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 this case? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think um, the majority of, of companies that are looking to design these apps, that it seems to be their starting point. And I think that's a really positive note. But I think it's also important, you know, in the, the where we started this conversation, you said, we already have privacy, we already have security, what do we need ethics for, right? But uh, and, and I would say that it's wonderful that we're starting with privacy by design, but we can't forget that there's so many other values. So we don't want to trade off privacy uh, with other values like security or autonomy, right? We don't want to say, okay, so we're taking care of privacy, but you're going to have to give up your autonomy. You're going to have to give up your right to choose. You're, you're going to give up your right to consent in this process, but we're taking care of privacy, so don't worry, right? So, so then this goes back to ethics, that we're looking at the multiple values that come into play when a new technology is both created and then put into society. Yeah, but it's also I think I think it, it's fine. I, I understand that, and maybe our listeners who are thinking are, are hearing you are, are getting it. But what really drives the interests of business here? You know, we we, we shouldn't trade uh, security and privacy and ethics. It should be more than that. But why should it matter to companies right now? Why should they why should they think about this? Maybe in 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 a more proactive way than they have done in the past. What's yeah. your message? So I think consumers are starting to wake up now to what's going on in terms of data collection and the fact that none of the services that they get are for free, right? So I use free with air quotations there. We're not using any social networking sites for free. We are doing this in exchange for our data. But we're also starting to see that when you put multiple streams of data together and you feed those into a machine learning algorithm, there's some powerful predict predictions that can be made about individuals. And seemingly benign things that we that we do like your search history so if you had asked people five ten years ago do you think your search history is really powerful data nobody would have said yes and now we're seeing that you combine your search history with your location with your shopping history and this creates a, a powerful profile of an individual right and, and consumers are starting to wake up to that and this idea of trust now between the consumer and the company is changing so consumers are saying 
saying, look, we know what's going on. You need to be transparent with us. You need to give us consent as to how much information we want to share, what you're allowed to use this for, and who you're going to share it with. And you need to give us control over this. And and a lot of consumers aren't saying, you know, I'm not going to share my data with you at all. Actually, consumers are interested in getting services, you know, in exchange for sharing their data, but they want to know what's going on. And I think, you know, some of the research that I'm doing with companies right now, they're engaged in doing surveys where they're asking consumers, who do you trust? Do you trust your retailers? What data are you willing to share? And we're seeing that there's very little trust right now. They are willing to share their data, but they want to have clear policies in place for no sharing with uh, external third parties. I want an easy to understand privacy statement and so on and so forth. And and, and I suppose there is a trust deficit. There's a lot of talk in the business community about driving again towards a more responsible business agenda. At the heart of that is trust, seeing trust maybe not only as the right thing to do, but maybe as 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 a value that can drive commercial interest. I think that that's that that's evident. I think to the way in which trust is beginning uh, to drive a new a new business approach, maybe. But do you do you think that I mean, it's almost you're implying that the business hasn't always been proactive in its response to issues of privacy and 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 the wider perspective of ethics. Would you prefer to to see right now a more proactive business agenda running this, or do you think it's going in the right direction already? No, I think we need more proactive moves happening right now. I think in terms of privacy, the, the GDPR was a an incredible push in, in the right direction. Uh, and now I think some companies are waiting for regulation. You know, we know that there's going to be regulation when it comes to artificial intelligence and machine learning. And some companies are waiting for that before they move. But if if you wait for that, then, I mean, what, what image does that give to your consumer, right? That you're doing this because you have to, not because you necessarily believe that it's the right thing to do. So I think we need more companies to, to step up and say, look, we are hearing you to our consumers, to our citizens, and we're going to do something to make a change, to create new benchmarks to create new gold standards. And in the same way, you know, you mentioned, you know, this could be used as a source of innovation. And I, I couldn't agree more. Like when you think about sustainability, 30 years ago, people said, oh, this is going to stifle innovation. The idea that we have to be environmentally sustainable, my goodness. And then you look at all of the new startups, all the new companies that came out of this, the idea of creating solar panels, you know, as as an example, it's it's been a, a huge industry. So I think we need to stop being so negative about the idea of doing the right thing and say, you know, how can how can we be doing the right thing and, and how can that lead us to creating new kinds of innovation? So where's the future here, the name here? I mean, as, 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 as you wrap this up, maybe on, on what is the future of digital ethics in particular and how it's going to impact consumers and, and companies? Yeah. What do you see coming down the line? I think we're already seeing some of the big tech companies who know that this is a must-have, right? The Google, Facebook, DeepMind, um, a variety of those companies have ethicists who are embedded into the infrastructure of the company. Some of them have external ethics boards. Some of them have been successful. Some of them not so much. Um, But we're already seeing that there is a need and there's an idea that Uh, especially for tech companies, this is a must-have and not just a nice-to-have. And I think that that trend, I I also hope that that trend will continue and that we'll see that companies see it as as doing responsible business insofar as the ethicist is tasked with challenging assumptions, challenging biases, and and adding a new perspective to the design process. So I think more and more tech companies will bring this into, into play. But I hope also that at a 
uh, at a more top level at a, in terms of regulation and policy, that this will be something that governments consider to be incredibly beneficial. Not that an ethicist is telling a company what to do, but that an ethicist is there to almost create a new kind of audit, to, to create new kinds of checks and balances to make sure that consumers and citizens are protected. Well, that's a great way to end this podcast. Digital ethics is a must-have, not a nice-to-have. Thank you, Amy, for being our special guest today in this podcast where we've learned how technology is at the center of a global social experiment now, as Amy described it, with this talk of track and trace and corona apps. That's a reminder that while companies and governments can do so many powerful things with data now, we do not fully appreciate the long-term impacts of this on society. So we enter this world of digital ethics about finding the right balance between promoting innovation, in this case for the benefit of public health, and protecting the interests of digital users. And on this, we've heard today about the importance of good, clear governance, about companies stepping up and not sitting back to act as a responsible business in order to promote higher levels of trust. And that's not only the right thing to do for companies, it's also an opportunity for them to see trust for its commercial value as the basis of competitive differentiation in the market. Key to unlocking that value is found in digital ethics. Thanks for listening to another episode of Insights on Responsible Business. Hope you enjoyed it and that you'll tune in to our next episode. Review us on Spotify, the iTunes podcast app, or whatever popular podcast app you're using, and find out more on Deloitte.nl. We'll see you in our next episode.